Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And hello, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to My Independence Report. And what we are doing with this podcast is we are declaring our independence from negativity, fear, anger, all of the negative emotions that are out there. And I hope that you'll, you will enjoy this podcast because we have got a really special lady who is on the other line with me, and her name is Lorraine Regular. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I would do I that. I told you, Kevin, no one ever gets it right. It's Lorraine, Lorraine Regular. Lorraine Regular. Okay, you said it. So. <laughs> she is the author. Regularly, yes. Okay, got it. Okay, that's good. Um, she is the author of the book From Nope to Hope. And what we're going to do first is I'm going to tell you that she is doing great now and she's written this book because at one time she had suicidal thoughts that permeated her soul because of the life that she grew up with so i'm going to tell you first of all because her story is very very hard to listen to because it's very it's it she went she's gone through a lot ladies and gentlemen so first of all let me tell you that she's a, a she's doing great she's got her own business she's an editor She's written a book. She's doing just just perfectly. But I have to tell you that uh, her bio is really uh, tough. And it started when she was 14. Um, she was raped. Uh, she's gone through drugs. She's had to resort to prostitution. She's had a really difficult life in a lot of ways, and one of the outcroppings of that was uh, suicidal thoughts. And fortunately for all of us, she didn't do that. And uh, she came out the other side and has written the book From Nope to Hope. And with that, Lorraine, how are you today? I'm much better now. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it's... it's uh, when you're 14 years old and you're just barely out of diapers and and you are you are uh, assaulted and and hurt and and raped and that has to be the most horrific experience imaginable. It really was. It devastated me completely. I ended up um, first of all, I quit school because I, I fell into a deep depression because I didn't tell anybody what happened to me. Um, this was back in the mid-1980s when it happened. Um, I was 14, two months before I turned 15, and I didn't feel as though I could reach out to anyone and let them know what happened to me, and so therefore I didn't get help for many years, and immediately afterwards, I mean, it was, it, number one, my whole belief system was shattered. 
Uh, number two, I fell into a deep, deep depression. I actually did try and kill myself when I was 15. Uh, fortunately, that didn't work. And I'm able to share my story now, uh, you know, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was like the most terrific traumatic experience I have ever endured. Um, since then I've endured other traumas, but that was, that was the one that just, you know, set my life on a completely different path. Um, and, and still to this day, you know, like I used to, I used to wonder why it happened. And I mean, as we often do, you know, we always ask, like, why me or why did this happen? And I strongly believe that everything happens to us for a reason. And it wasn't until the last couple of years that I figured out what that reason was. And it's because I can now share what happened to me with other people in this world and let them know that Number one, they're not alone. Number two, help is out there. And number three, they can move on past it and still achieve their dreams, whatever it is that they want to achieve. And the reason I know that is because I did that. And so for me, that's the only way that I've been able to sort of make sense of it all. Um, but at the time, you know, I I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to cope with all of the feelings and negativity and emotions that I, I was experiencing. And so I I tried to numb them. I tried to, you know, pretend that, you know, it didn't happen. I tried to just ignore that pain. And, you know, I used food, sleep drugs, alcohol, even sex to try and just move move past what had happened and try to try and deal with it. Now, those coping strategies are not healthy. Um, they're <laughs> ones that we often turn to um, just because they're easily and readily available. You know, it's easy to reach for a drink. It's easy to reach for, you know, food or it's easy to go to sleep and, you know, pretend like, okay, well, if I'm awake, I don't have to feel anything. Um, it's easy to turn to drugs to, you know, get a high or a different feeling than what you currently have. So those were the only things at the time that I knew to do. And, you know, looking, you know, when I said my belief system was shattered, that's really important. Uh, to touch upon because what I believe in terms of love and sex um, wasn't my reality and it hasn't been ever since. Um, I still struggle with differentiating the two. Um, I used to think, okay, well, if I gave guys sex, they would love me. And, you know, I I quickly learned that that wasn't the case, you know, and I just ended up being used even more. And, you know, so when I got into the prostitution thing, um, 
I figured, you know, while I was giving it away for free, I might as well get paid for it. Then at least I'm getting something out of it. And and that was my mentality. Can, now, you know, Lorraine, can, I wanted to ask you a question about that because I, a couple of things struck me. First of all, um, I think that in our society, especially back in the 80s, there were lots and lots of girls and women who were sexually abused and uh, raped and never said anything to anybody because in right. those days it's something you just didn't do as much because they looked at you kind of what were you wearing at the time what what were you acting like at the time did you invite the you know what I mean and it was yeah really, and, and really not only that but the even the kids help phone line wasn't even founded until 1988 and right. and this happened to me in like 1985 so I mean. This was, you know, way back. Like, like people don't understand what society was like back then. This was pre-internet, pre, you know, pre-Facebook, pre-anything computer-related, um, pre-phone line, even pre-helpline. So it was, yeah. And back then, you know, society looked upon you as, okay, you know, well, you must have done something. Like they put the blame on the victim. You must have yes. done something to, you know, you acted this way or you said this or you were dressed like a slut or, you know, whatever. Like, it was awful. And that's why a lot of people didn't speak up. And and not only that, I mean, it, just the general vibe of society. Like, nowadays we have a more open, open, honest transparency out there. We're taught to live authentically. We're, you know, we're in an age now where more and more people because of social media are speaking up. I mean, look at the whole Twitter hashtag me too movement that started and has empowered so many women as a result. I mean, like, yeah, there's problems with technology nowadays, but you know what? That's really one of the benefits is that we're able to share openly with so many people and have that reach I mean, back in, you know, back in the 1980s, if you wanted to talk to somebody on the phone or, you know, see somebody, like you had to literally phone them, have a phone call or go to their house. Like it wasn't like, oh, just hop on the computer and, you know, text somebody up. I mean, that's, it's changed so much. So anyways, okay, yes, I'm sorry for interrupting. You had another point you wanted to ask me about. (laughs) Well, and and the other one was when you decided and well, first of all, uh, and understand me being a guy, and I've been around guys my whole life. Men are, um, by and large, now this isn't an absolute, but by and large, men are not very loving. They're sexual beings, and and it's real easy for young girls to get sold into. Or, or women to get sold into this thing that, well, if he, if I give him sex, then he'll love me, which isn't the case in most of these. Most, most guys are like, well, you gave me sex. Okay. It's time to go to sleep. And that's, that's kind of how they, they, they look at it. And when you turned to prostitution, how did that make you feel about men? You must have really, that must have really created a a bad space for you around men. Well, yes and no. I mean, let's, let's, let's backtrack a little bit though. Like I was taught, okay. I was brought up in a Catholic 
household. So oh boy. I, I went been, to church and I, I went to church every Sunday with my grandma. My parents didn't go to church or anything, but I mean, they raised me with the, the Christian morals and values, which I think is great. But at the same time, uh, some of the teachings, some of the things that were ingrained into me at a very early age were false and not something that I would teach my child about today. Um, so I had this belief, like, okay, one of the things my mom always said, God's watching you. He knows if you do something wrong and he's going to punish you. Yeah. God can see everything. He can hear your thoughts. Yeah. He can, you know, he sees if you do something wrong, you're going to get punished. So, uh, the night that I was raped, I had actually gotten into a huge fight with my father. Um, we were the only two people home. My brother and sister were out playing. My mom was at work. It was just me and my dad, and he grounded me to my room. And I was 14. I had an exam the next day. I was going to stay home and study anyway. But the fact that we had a huge fight and that he grounded me, I felt that I was being treated very unfairly. And so I got really angry and decided, oh, I'm going to show him. I'm going to run away from home. So I jumped out my window and I took off. I took my notes with me. I took, you know, like whatever I needed for the night. And I felt like I'm, I'm leaving. And so that night, that was when I was raped. I didn't have a place to stay. And I ended up phoning a friend of a friend who let me stay over there and, you know, insisted I sleep in the same bed with him, even though I wanted to sleep on the couch. Um, you know, and then, you know, before I know it, one thing led to another and he's, you know, he's, he's not taking no for an answer and he's raping me. But that night, because I ran away from home, I thought, okay, I did something bad and God's punishing me by being, by, you know, I'm getting raped. That's my punishment. So that is the belief that I carried around as a result of how I grew up and what I believed growing up. And it made you believe that you are less than who you really are. Right. So another thing that I had believed that I was, you know, that I was taught is you save your virginity for marriage. That, you know, you have to be pure and everything to your husband that, you know, sex is like the ultimate expression of love between two people. And, you know, it's going to be like super fantastic when it happens. And, but you have to be, you know, with the, with like the, your partner for life, your, your one and only true love, everything else. Because like my grandparents, I mean, they were married for like well over 50 years. My parents now have been together for over 50 years. They just celebrated their 50th uh, in the summertime, their 50th wedding anniversary. Um, so, I mean, this is, you know, this is the kind of upbringing that I personally had. And so, like I said, when my belief systems were shattered, it was, you know, yes, maybe they weren't the correct belief systems to have in the first place, but they were mine. And it was my body that got violated. And it was my mind that got screwed up. And it was my life that was affected. And so, yeah, this is, you know. 
It, it, it was tough. And especially, it's, a, it's a heavy subject to talk about. I mean, it really is. But that's like, why, uh, Lorraine, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because this is something that I know it was personal to you. Your story is your story. But this is something that happens a lot and has happened a lot more than, than, than even the statistics show because a lot of people don't, don't come forward with it. As an example, in your case, what were you going to say? You were in the man's bed. Um, he's going to claim it's consensual. You're, you're going to say that you were raped and, and, uh, nobody, it, it, just even going to the police in that case would be, would be a very difficult thing, but well, you, you know, still had to live with it. I, I, okay, so I know your original question was about, you know, how I, how I view men and how I look at men and everything, but let's just, before I get into that, let's go to, you know, okay, so the night that I was raped, I did tell him, you know, look, I'm a virgin. I don't want to do this. I don't want you touching me. I just, I want to go to sleep. Like, I got an exam tomorrow. Like, he was twice my, he was like 29. I was 14. And, you know, it was just, it was just, yeah, he was an older friend of an older friend. Um, Because usually, you know, my, my friend, I used to babysit for this girl. She was you know, she was just a couple of years older than me. I think she's like 18 or 19. She had a little baby and I took, I babysat for her and we were friends and she introduced me to this guy one night and, and, uh, you know, apparently like they were, you know, friends with benefits type of a, a thing. And, you know, we got to talking, he ended up giving me his number, said to call him sometime, whatever. The night that I was, you know, ran away from home, I, I tried staying at someone else's house, and then I, I couldn't. And it was about 11 o'clock by the time, I, I guess, that we were camping in the backyard. And then his the mom came out and said, oh, you got to leave. And so I ended up leaving, and I didn't have anywhere to go. And so I phoned up this guy. He said, yeah, come on over. You know, you could stay with me. And, you know, give your ride to school to your exam tomorrow. Everything's fine, right? Okay, great. Yeah. Let's do this. So I go over there. Turns out he lives in this little basement apartment, like a bachelor suite with, you know, just the bare necessities. But he had a couch, a living room with a couch and, and a, a, a divider. And then the bed was there. And I'm like, well, I, I'm fine on the couch. Just give me a pillow and a blanket. No, no, no. Come in the bed. I don't have any extras. Come in the bed. You know, okay. Like, hey, whatever, you know. So... Then next thing I know, his hands are touching me. And I'm like, like, what are you doing? Like, leave me alone. Like, I'm 14 for fuck's sake. Like, you know, like, don't touch <laughs> me. Let me sleep. And he just wouldn't listen, you know, despite my protest, despite everything. And I mean, I've shared, I've shared my story online. Like, I've shared what happened. I've written blog posts. I've written all the details out. Like, I don't need to go into, into all the nitty-gritty details. I mean, just suffice it to say, like, I said no, he didn't listen. And right. that that was that. And so, um, so yeah, so, you know, I, 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 I didn't, after that, I didn't look at all men as rapists. I looked at him as a rapist. And I had, you know, crazy thoughts about, you know, torturing him. Because, like, Thinking, you know, oh, well, if he, you know, even if he got the death sentence or something, like, that wouldn't be good enough. Like, I want him, I don't want him to die. I want him to live 
and be tortured because that's how I was. I'm tortured every single day of my life because of what he did. And yeah, granted now that, you know, some 33, more than 33 years have passed since it's happened, I'm tortured a little less every day because I've learned different coping strategies to use. I've also learned how to change my belief system, which is one of the huge things um, that has helped me um, and, and why, you know, mentioning the belief system is, is so important because we can change our beliefs and we can change our thoughts and we can change our mindset and how we view things. And it's not that difficult to do. Um, positive affirmations are one of the key strategies in doing that. And, you know, using visualization and vision boards and just focusing meditation and all these things, they really help you focus on on your thoughts, on your feelings, and on how you want your future to be, which makes your present that much better. And it's the present that we all live in. It's the present moment. This is all we have is right now. We don't know what we're going to feel like tomorrow. We don't know what we're going to feel like in next week. All we know is what we feel like in this moment. And we have to feel good. And we want to, you know, enjoy every moment of our lives. And yeah, of course, there's moments that suck. You know, we got chores, we got work, we got, you know, things that we don't like doing. Um, then, you know, when we got other issues, traumas and illnesses and, you know, problem, other problems that crop up. But if we learn to react to those situations with a different reaction, one that's more positive, more focused on, like, a better outcome, you'll have, like, a better feeling in that moment. If, if that makes sense to you. Um, sure. So, uh, you know, after after this whole situation happened, and I, I didn't tell anybody for like eight years. It was eight years before I ended up um, admitting to someone about what happened to me. And during that time, uh, yes, I became promiscuous. I started sleeping with a bunch of guys thinking, yeah, if, you know, if I give them sex, they're going to love me. Um, I was drinking, I was doing drugs, I quit school. Um, at 16, I actually ended up pregnant because um, I, my boyfriend at the time, uh, I, yeah, whatever, I ended up pregnant and I ended up getting an abortion. Um, at two years later, I found myself pregnant again at, 18, at 17 and decided, yes, I'm going to have my son. I'm going to have this baby. And so at 18, I became a single mom. Um, then I decided, okay, well, I want to give my son a better life. So I'm going to go back to school and get educated so that I can give him a better life. And that's exactly what I did. It took me four years to finish my high school education and then five years of university to get my two degrees. Um, but I did it all while raising my son. You know, from, you know, I went back to school when he was seven months old. So um, that's, you know, I started university when he started kindergarten at age four. 
And uh, for the next five years, I went to university. So by age nine, when he was nine, I, I became a high school math and English teacher. And, you know, I had a respectable job teaching and everything was going great. You know, I was being the, the right role model for him. I was teaching him all the right things, being a good mom and everything. But after three and a half years, I had to move away for te- to teach, uh, to find a, a full-time job teaching. And during that time, um, you know, m- it was the first time I'd ever lived away from home uh, or in like anywhere else but the city that I grew up in. And so I had some of my own struggles again then. And, you know, the suicidal th- thoughts started returning again. And I was diagnosed with having major depression. And I was put on antidepressants and, um, you know, so I got counseling again. The first time I got counseling, that was, oh, that was what I was going to mention, it was when I was, was during my completion of my high school period. Uh, one of my teachers was actually trained as a counselor in her previous profession. This was her second profession was teaching. Um, you know, what she did later in life. And she said to me one day, she's like, Lorraine, something happened to you. What happened to you? Like, I can tell you're going through something, that something traumatic happened to you in, the, in your past and that you haven't dealt with it. Just from the, you know, different conversations we had. And she asked me point blank, were you sexually abused? And I said, yes, I was raped when I was a 14-year-old virgin. And she said, Lorraine, you need to go get counseling. And so I did. And when I went for counseling, my counselor, that very first counselor, I'll never forget her. Her name's Susan. Um, She and I worked together for, well, for many, 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 many months. And during that time, um, two of the books that, there, there are a pair of books called The Courage to Heal. It's a text, like, like a textbook sort of, and a workbook. And we worked through those, uh, through that book. Um, I did, you know, I'd, I'd read the chapter, I'd do the exercises, I'd come back and we'd talk about it in my next counseling session. We'd talk about so many other different things. And at one point, she had asked me if I had ever charged my rapist. And I said, no, I hadn't. I didn't tell anybody about what happened. So she said, well, why don't you consider it? Um, because I guess there was no, at that time, that I don't know what this, the laws are, or the statute of limitations on rape, but at that point, I was still able to charge him, and so I did. We ended up going to court. The lady, that my, my older friend that had introduced us, got up on the stand and lied for him on his behalf. She completely betrayed me, said everything I was saying was wrong and a lie. So it was me against her and my rapist. And the jury believed them over me. Yeah. So that sucks. That's terrible. I, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That that and whole that you whole know, thing. and it's situations, Kevin. It's situations like that that make people not tell because they think, oh, yeah. what's the freaking point? 
What's the point of telling? What's the point of speaking up? Well, especially and all that you... So not, only, not only did you have to live through it, you had to live through it again. Exactly. And, and that, that that's just such a horrible thing. And... You know, and, and Lorraine, are you okay? Do you want to continue yeah. or do you want to? Oh, yeah, no, okay. we can go on. Because one of the things ahead. that I got out of that whole experience was a little bit of closure. And the reason was because we had to keep going to court, like, over and over until, you know, until, like, this whole, like, I guess you can call it a trial, I don't know, until the whole trial happened. But every time it got remanded in court, like, my rapist knew he was facing potential time in jail for what he did to me. And I could see the fear in his eyes. I could see how uncomfortable he was with that possibility looming over him. And I took comfort in that. Like I said, I used to think about, you know, like torturing this guy. And I thought, you know, yeah, okay, this would be like a form of torture because he couldn't, he wouldn't have the freedom to live his life and keep raping others, you know. I don't know what jail life is like. I don't imagine it's too much fun, but um, it's definitely probably not as much fun as living on, you know, outside of jail. And so... Seeing him go through, you know, seeing him squirm and seeing him go through facing that, you know, possibility that he was going to go to jail really made me feel good. Like he was shitting bricks and I was happy about it. And it, because, but, you know, it it still doesn't compare to what I went through. But just no. seeing him go through something like that gave me a little bit of the comfort or or whatever it was. Some people call it comfort. Some people call it closure. I don't know what the word for it is, but something, some kind of satisfaction. And so with that whole experience, I also knew that I then did what I possibly could do to bring him to justice, even though the outcome wasn't in my favor, I still had the strength to do it, and I was very proud of myself for doing it. And that whole process in itself was therapeutic. And so even though the outcome wasn't what I wanted, and it's the reason why a lot of women don't speak up, what I personally went through as a result of that experience, was indeed therapeutic. And I would still encourage any person, who, woman, man, trans, whatever, whatever you identify as, you're a person. Any person who has suffered some kind of traumatic experience, abuse, whatever, please speak up and do what you can about it because it will give you strength. It will empower you. 
and it will help others heal. Because it did help me. And yes, right now, I really, you know, the emotions are coming out. But this is a good thing, too, because I don't feel sad about it. Even though I'm crying, and I'm sitting here right now with my eyes shut and tears streaming down my face, I feel great. Because this is another form of therapy. And I know that people out there are going to be listening and they're going to be like, that's exactly how I felt. That's exactly how I felt. That's exactly how I felt. And they're going to be going through the anger and they're going to be going through all of that. And But they're also going to listen to me. So how I got from there to where I am now, and they're going to be like, you know what? Hey, if she can do that, I can reach my dreams too. Because one of my dreams was to pursue a writing career, to do something with my writing. And because words are my passion, I love words, I love reading, I love writing, I love my sight, and that I'm able to read and write. Um, And I was able to build an actual business around my passion. And not too many people can say that they've they do. They've done that with their life. Um, not, not, so now, Lorraine, not very many. You know, not very many people can actually say that they that they. Number one, a lot of people have trouble finding their passion, and once they find it, they say, "Nah, nobody's going to let me do that, or I can't do that, or I can't make any money doing that." It's just it's just awesome that you are able to do that. By the way, we're talking with Lorraine regularly, and she has written the book from Nope. To hope you can pick it up at Amazon and it's in paperback now, and you can um, you, you can read it and it's a really heartfelt, wonderful book. And and I I can tell this I I feel bad making you cry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm an I'm a very emotional person. I'm okay now. I mean the tears have stopped. It was just that intensity of the moment because you know so many thoughts were going through my head about what I wanted to convey and what I was remembering and, you know, looking back, like just trying to like at my lifeline about how I got from where I am to where I am now. Like it's been a roller coaster ride. And I mean, it hasn't all been bad. There have been a lot of really great times in my life. Um, You know, it's, it's just that it seems like because we're talking about, you know, such a horrific uh, topic, it's like all negative, but you know, there was, you know, the day my son was born, I mean, that was a, an awesome day. Like, I wanted him, and I I kept him. I made the decision to love him and be the best mother I could to him. And he's the reason why, throughout all of the years, every time I had suicidal thoughts, I, being a single mom, if I killed myself, where would that leave him? It would leave him exactly. motherless. And I couldn't do that to him. So my son has saved my life, like, more times than he'll ever know. He knows that now. I mean, he's 29 now. He's, he's an, you know, he, he's fully grown. He's an awesome guy. Um, 
one of the most selfish people that I know. Um, and I obviously did something right. I mean, he's, you know, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, eats healthy, goes to the gym, works out, doesn't do drugs, uh, you know, has has a, a girlfriend who's like a model and a dancer. Like, it, he's got oh, wow. everything now. Like, he, and, and I'm his mom. And I'm <laughs> proud of him. And, what, you know, we Lorraine, have lots of rocky times, but, you know. You just, well, sure. you just deal with life, and you just keep going. Now, now, see, this is now this is the first time that we've met. Now, Lorraine, what I'm getting out of our conversation today is this: you had some horrific things happen to you, but every time you get knocked down, you've gotten back up. You went back to school. You got your high school diploma. You went back to college. You became a teacher. You you uh, opened a business. Now, you through that all of that, you had. Um, major obstacles and you kept getting knocked down, but your story is very inspiring because you kept getting back up. A lot of people don't. Some people will go into, go into heroin or, or, or OD or commit suicide and that you keep getting up. You are an example of somebody who has done really well and you should be extraordinarily proud of yourself. I hope you are. Well, you know, it's like that song. I don't, I, I don't know, like Chumba Wumba or something. I think the name. I don't know. It's like I get knocked down, but I get up again. You know, yeah. and and it's like, and you just have to because what do you, who likes being down? Nobody likes it down there. <laughs> you know, you, you well, fall on the yeah. street. Like if you see a total stranger, especially like say say you see this little old lady fall on the street, you're just gonna walk by her. You're gonna help her up. You're going to help her up. That's the decent thing that most people would do. Anybody with, you know, an ounce of humanity would help the person up. And so being on the ground, you know, like that's no fun. You have to pick yourself up. If nobody's around to do it, you got to do it yourself. Like you have to be your own best friend. And that's one of the things that um, I learned like way, like, shit about 20 years ago when I was like in my early 20s raising my son you know all alone and facing struggles it's like wait a minute you know what you don't need anyone else you don't need a man to help you you don't need friends around you have yourself be your own best friend and so I started doing that and I you know like even to the with little things even like I you know Say I knew I was running out of, like, say, a grocery item, right? So I put it on a list. Next time I go to the store, I got, you know, one or two maybe, you know, if they were on sale or something. Like, I always, like, planned ahead. And and, and, and then when I ran out, I was like, oh, did I, did I remember to do this? Oh, yeah, you did because you're your own best friend. You knew you were going to need it, and now you got it. And it's like, you know, it's just practicing, like, gratitude in those little tiny moments and being your own best friend and, and doing things like relying on yourself instead of relying on other people, that's one of the lessons that I learned early on. And most people, I don't think, take those lessons to heart, and they really should. They should learn to rely on themselves instead of relying on others and um, not expect anything because when you have expectations and they're not met, you get disappointed. If you have no expectations, you're not going to be disappointed. That's true. It That's is true. And so I started, you know, I started learning these little lessons and um, 
you know, I learned a bunch of different like strategies and techniques from counseling in order to deal, you know, to deal with things and, and to cope in better ways. And like most of them are like super easy. Like they're just not hard at all. And and they're so obvious, but yet we don't see them. We need, you know, we, like we need someone else to point them out to them, um, which is, you know, why I decided to write my book because people don't always have the answers and they don't know where to go for the answers. And, and you know, when we talk about it, it seems like, well, it's obvious the answer's right in front of them, but they don't see it because they're too in their own minds and in their own negativity from whatever they've gone through to see it. And sometimes it just takes someone, an outsider or an objective point, point of view from someone else to, to say, hey, you know what? I have a suggestion for you. Can you keep an open mind and just listen to this for a moment? And once that person says yes, you'd be like, okay, here it is. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of sort of the same thing with, um, like, with alcoholics and, and, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, you have to admit yourself that you want help or that there's a problem or that you're willing to accept help first. Once you are willing to make that decision to accept change, that you want to change, that you're ready to change, and that you will accept the change into your life, that's when the magic starts to happen. And most people are there and they don't even realize it because, like, no one likes feeling depressed. No one likes feeling sad or bad or negative in any way. They just don't know what to do about it sometimes. And so, um, so, you know, I was just going to ask you, isn't it true that, that, uh, when you're depressed and really, really kind of seriously depressed, you sometimes don't even know that you're depressed. You just think that's just the way things are. And yeah, it becomes unhappy. the norm. Like, it becomes your normal feeling. Like, it's just like, oh, this is just another day. This is how I always feel. Uh, you know, this is just life. And, you know, it, it it sucks because you, in the back, of, like, in your heart of hearts, you know there's got to be something better than this. You yeah. just don't know what it is or how to get there. And exactly. I lived like that for years. You know, I mean, especially when I was, like, prostituting myself on the streets every day, like, routine. I'd wake up, I'd get dressed, I'd put my makeup on, you know, have my shower, get my makeup on, um, you know, fix myself up, look all beautiful, go out, and make a whole bunch of money. And in the process, you know, I was completely degrading myself and letting myself be used more and more, which is, you know... To deal with it, you do drugs, and you just—that was my life for like years. It's a downward spiral. And yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like the same thing when with people who have depression and they eat, um, especially um, chubbier people, people or obese people who end up gaining weight and they get more depressed because, you know, like they use food as a because this is me. This is exactly me. I have a weight problem. I have an unhealthy relationship with food. I know it. I'm aware of it. Um, it's very difficult to change it. Um, and still, but Oreo cookies still, are so good. It still affects me. You know, like, 
you have an emotional void and you fill it by filling your mouth with food, cookies, junk food, whatever, whether it's healthy food or unhealthy food, it's not the point. You're still filling your mouth with food because that's your go-to response for coping to fill that emotional void. So you eat, you end up gaining weight, you get more depressed. So you eat because you're depressed, but you gain more weight. So you get more depressed. So you eat. Mm -hmm. So it's never ending. You see, it's a cycle that's never ending. And I got trapped in that cycle. And um, some days I'm still trapped in that cycle. uh, But I'm, I'm now more aware of what's going on. So I'm able to make certain changes in my life to improve that. And, you know, just because, you know, like, it, it doesn't mean that I don't struggle. I still struggle. I'm human. We all will still struggle. It's how you cope with those struggles is what makes it, makes the difference. Like, you need to, like I said, focus on the moment, on what you have now, because, and be mindful of what's happening, and that way you can enjoy your life more. Like, you can wake up in the morning, you say you're at, like, this is, like, sort of my routine, um, where I use positive affirmations to help change my mind. And this is something I really want to talk about, Kevin, because positive affirmations were the biggest thing that affected me in a positive way. Like, it helped me, they helped me change my belief system. They helped keep me positive. They helped keep me happy. I actually often refer to them as my, my secret to happiness because they're super easy to use. They don't take a lot of time. Like five minutes a day in the morning is that's it. Um, you know, I'll wake up, I'll have my tea, my cigarette, and read my list of affirmations. Just read it, and that's it. And then all of a sudden, my mind is switched. It's like an on-off switch in my mind. You know, I wake up, I'm groggy, I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up. I gotta get up. I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay, let's you know, like like a little robot putting the tea in the microwave, heating it up, making it, sitting down, and then it's soon as I start reading those affirmations, it's like that light switch gets turned on. I completely change to a different person, and it's incredible. And they start working in as little time as like a week when you first start using them, and that's what I loved about them is that they work fast. So, and they're easy. I wrote a whole chapter in my book about positive affirmations and I want to tell this to you because I also made this chapter free on my website. So for anyone wanting to make a a positive change in your life, start using affirmations. Google um, the the actual article title on wordingwell.com, my website, is how to use how to improve your life using positive affirmations or how do you, how to use positive affirmations to improve your life it's one of those two just google positive affirmations wording well it'll be the first thing that pops up in the search results guaranteed so this whole chapter is free it's got um examples of positive affirmations that you can use in different areas of your life it's got like examples for each it's got a whole worksheet You can either copy and paste, you can download it, you can do whatever you want with it. 
to start creating your own list. It tells you how to create your list. It tells you what affirmations are and how they work. It's got absolutely everything you need to know about positive affirmations and getting started with them. And I will admit, when I first heard about these things, I was super skeptical. I was like, these sound sound too good to be true. Like, just by reading some statements every day, I'm going to, like, change my life. Yeah, right. And then I thought, hey, what have you got to lose? Just give it a shot. Things can't get worse. It can only get better, right? So I tried them out, and I was absolutely amazed at their power. And for those of you that may not know what really what Lorraine is talking about here, what she's talking about by uh, positive affirmations, they actually have an energy to them. It's the positive energy that uh, it seems to infect you when you use positive affirmations. And go to her website. I've just pulled it up, and it's it's really is awesome what you're doing with it and what you're doing with. Uh, your work and your life and and everything. You feel better today, I hope, than you did in the past because you've earned it, young lady. You've earned the right to feel good about who you are. I totally feel great. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there's, of course, there's days that, you know, you still struggle and everything, but like 95% of my life right now is absolutely amazing. Um. You know, positive affirmations. Um, I'm just trying to. I was trying to find it on my website. I can't do two things at once. So, a, a lot of them that I use myself are ones like pertaining to my business. Like I'll say, to, uh, a successful and strong businesswoman lives inside of me, and today that woman is running my business. Um, I feel strong and powerful. I am calm, competent, and uh, confident. Um, you just like any any kind of negative. Like the way to create positive self positive affirmations is to listen to your negative self talk and flip it over and turn it into a positive statement. So if you constantly tell yourself like, "Oh, I'm ugly and I'm worthless," you no, I'm beautiful and I have worth. I deserve happiness. I deserve this. I am enough. I am so much more than what I am. What I like, I can be so much more than what I am now. And so I am going to work towards fulfilling that potential. Uh, like you can create positive affirmations for anything. It's it's just absolutely amazing that the the power they have. Like when I first started using them, I said to one of my positive affirmations was I am a published author. Now, at the time, that wasn't true. And that's the really cool thing about positive affirmations is that they do have energy, like you said, even though they might not be true when you initially create them. And even if you don't believe them to be true, if they are true, but you don't believe them to be true, you will believe them to be true after using them for a very short while. You will change your beliefs. You will change your mindset. You will change your thoughts to awesome, better, powerful thoughts that are just 
have such a positive impact on your life. And, and, and it's just, it's super incredible. Like, it's like they're these little, it's like a little magic potion or something. Just that, like, like a magic ritual that you do. And, you know, I, 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 I say my affirmations and it's like I said, it's like a light switch gets clicked in my brain. All of a sudden I'm, I'm not tired. I'm ready for the day. I'm ready to tackle anything. I've got energy. I've got, you know, will and every like enthusiasm and all these like wonderful, powerful, really cool feelings just enter my body. And it's like, okay, anything happens, bring it on. Let's do this. You know, like I am ready. Let's go. And at the end of the day, you can look back and you can say, hey, you know what? Look at all I accomplished today. Like you go to bed feeling like absolutely amazing rather than, you know, trying to just go to sleep to bury yourself out of the, you know, negativity that you're feeling, which is what a lot of depressed people do. They just, you know, they go to sleep to escape. I mean, I know that's what I did for many years. Um, oh, sure. And now it's like, I just I just lie back in bed and I think, you know, yeah, today was a really good day. Another practice was to um, write down um, three things that you're grateful for every single mm-hmm. day. Um, I usually do that after I read my positive affirmations because um, I go through kind of sort of a ritual of reading and then writing and that just kind of sets my sort of tone for the day. Now, a lot of people don't like to write. A lot of people don't like to read. So what you can do instead is you can, you know, you can, like, make a little video and just play your video. Um, I mean, everybody pretty much has phones or computers or something these days, some sort of access to technology in their homes that, you know, you can just make yourself a video and then, you know, just as soon as you wake up, like, throw that video on. Play it, listen to it while you're preparing you know, while you're making your breakfast, doing your dishes, doing whatever, and just talk to yourself and say say your affirmations. That way you only have to do it once and then just play it. Like, there's so many different options for whatever type of person you are and what type of interests you have in terms of, you know, how to get this um, ingrained in your brain so that you can change your life and even if it's just taking one small step a day in the right direction, progress is still progress. Oh yeah. Well, so, and and you, what you've done is, uh, are you familiar with the uh, the work, the secret? Yes. The secret, you know, they talk about vision boards. They talk about positive affirmations. They talk about doing things in a positive way and putting that out there because what you put out there is what you get back. And the, at least that's what the, that's their yes, teaching. I and talk what, about, yep, I, and I talk about the law of attraction in yeah, another yeah. one of my chapters. Um, in fact, uh, so chapter eight of my book is all about positive affirmations. And chapter nine is about using meditation, visualization, and the law of attraction to get what you want. Awesome. And um, so one of my experiences with visualization um, was really cool because I have, I live, I live in Canada and we don't have palm trees here. At least I've never seen one. Uh, where I live, it's like winter <laughs> half the year. So no, there's no palm trees around here. 
And one of my dreams was to see a palm tree in real life and to go on a vacation where there was, you know, a nice ocean, beach, sand, everything. That That's sort of my, like, you know, my happy place. When I, you know, when I meditate in my mind, like, that's where I go. I go lying on a hammock that's tied between two palm trees that's by the ocean under the warm sun where I could hear the waves. I could feel, you know, the sand beneath, uh, you know, if I stand up, I could feel the sand beneath my toes. I could feel the warmth on my skin. I could, and it's all nice and peaceful. And of course, in, you know, in my, in my happy place, I'm lying there with like a little umbrella drink and uh, my book and, I, and I'm reading and, you know, I'm writing, I'm doing these things, right? This is me. So I started using visualization to think about um, a potential, like to, to, to make this an actual reality rather than just a, a, a fantasy in my head. And I started taking steps to get there. So I applied for a passport. Um, I, I, I was taking, it was funny because after I had gotten my passport about a month and a half later, I had like no plans to go anywhere, but I was, I was actually, I was in Walmart one day and they had, and it was in like January. And for some reason, I don't know why, middle of January, they were selling sandals when, you know, here it's winter time, there's like three <laughs> feet of snow outside, but they well, had they're cheap sandals, in the winter time. And, and, and I tried them on and I was like, Oh, these are so comfortable. I'm going to buy them. So I bought them and I thought, Oh, I can't wait for summer. So anyways, uh, the next month I had taken my nephew to this swimming pool, an indoor swimming pool where, um, they had a, a huge pool, you know, for everyone to swim in. And then they got this little kiddie pool that was warmer than the regular pool. So my nephew had found some boys to go and play in the water with in the big pool. So I decided to just chill back and lie back in, in the nice warm little pool where next to it, there was this palm tree painted on the wall. And <laughs> so I thought, oh, while I'm here, I'm going to do some visualization. There's an actual palm tree for me to look at. So I started thinking more about, you know, oh, how nice would it be instead of you know, when I walk outside, it's not wintertime. It's just like, you know, it's beautiful, you know, like super warm weather. I can go sun tanning and everything. So the next day, no word of a lie. The next day, my brother sends me a Facebook message saying, hey, Lorraine, my girlfriend and I are going down to uh, the Dominican Republic. We're going to Punta Cana for a week. Do you want to come? And this is in February. Okay. Still winter, still two, three feet of snow outside, super cold. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, he's never invited me on a trip anywhere in his life. Um, but he knows I just got my passport because he was the one that helped me get it. And I'm like, okay, let me check it out. So he sent me the links to this resort that they were going to stay at. Gorgeous, beautiful resort. Beautiful swimming pool. Um, like, 30 yards from the ocean, like you could swim wherever you want, super nice weather, there was no rain um, expected for the next week, and they're leaving in three days, and do I want to go? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to (laughs) go. So I made plans just like that, the drop of a dime, I ended up going for a week, best week of my life. (laughs) And that's the power of visualization. Yes, it is. I had, you know, been practicing, thinking about this for so long, 
never made any concrete plans to do it. And then this opportunity fell into my lap. I was able to go with seasoned travelers because my my brother has traveled. uh, He's been to Cuba. He's been to Costa Rica. He's been like to all these, you know, exotic islands and everything before. Um, He, you know, I I was able to go through customs with him. No problem. Go, you know, stay at the same hotel, do everything with somebody, having a travel companion to do this with. And it was an all-inclusive package. So you just paid once. You get this wristband. The hotel's paid. The airfare's paid. The food's paid. Like, everything. Like, it was just awesome. It was an awesome, awesome experience. And one of my uh, online blogging friends, uh, Ryan Biddulph, he's known as the blogger from Paradise. He uh, Bloggingfromparadise.com is his website. And he's he island hops. This is what he does for a living. He blogs from everywhere in this world. Like he can go anywhere and blog. And and really that's the that's the whole, you know, the lifestyle of a freelancer, which is what he does. It's what I do, although I don't I mean, I'm a freelancer, but I don't go island hopping, at least not yet. Uh it's maybe in the in the plans for the future though. So anyways, he's always posting these pictures of palm trees and beaches on his website. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, okay, they're sinking in. They're sinking in. I got to do this. You know, I I, got to do this. So that was part of my visualization technique as well is, you know, just letting these things in. And the really interesting thing, Kevin, that a lot of people don't know about the brain, there's a thing called the RAS, the reticular activating system. The reticular activating system in our brains thinks in pictures, not words, pictures. Yep. That's why the power of visualization is so powerful because we have these pictures in our brain that we're thinking about over and over and over. And and that's the same and it works the same way positive affirmations work. So I'll tell you about that too. It sinks into our subconscious, which fights our conscious reality, like to make it a reality in our conscious mind. So even though we're thinking these thoughts and they're not actually real, we think our brain, we trick our brain into thinking they're real. And so our brain says, well, let's make them real. And then you, then they become real, and that's mm-hmm. like the whole whole process of of how the reticular activating system works, and also how uh, you know positive affirmations end up end up working too, even though they're not pictures, but it's it's all part of the changing your belief system. So once people are able to actually like change their belief systems and you know use these different techniques, like they're unstoppable. Like anything is possible. And they may really start to believe that anything's possible. When's the good things start happening to you after you start doing these things, the visualization, the positive affirmations, and then good things start coming to pass. It's a whole lot easier than to, you know, a lot of people will just say, Oh, that's just a coincidence. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you there's no such thing as a coincidence. 
uh, both the good things and the bad things. The bad things happen for a reason. The good things are your reward for being who you really are, and it's it's uh, it's awesome. By the way, yeah, we're talking with the law of attraction at work because when you when you think the positive thing, you know, good good opportunities come your way. And like one of my positive affirmations is opportunities constantly come my way. Yeah. And by repeating that to myself, like even though like I might not have believed it at first, I started to believe it and then it actually started happening. Like I started getting invitations to appear on different podcasts. I started getting invitations to appear in featured articles on different websites. I started getting interviews. I started getting like people just offering to do things for me. Like something that happened to me recently is um, with my website because like I'm not a graphics person or like a video person or any kind of designer skills whatsoever. I had someone offer for free to make me an infographic about anything I wanted. I had another company offer to make me a video about anything I wanted. And so I, I chose this one blog post that I was thinking about writing. I'm like, okay, this is a sign that I've got to write this. And so I ended up writing, um, because what I do now is I help other people become authors. And so uh, becoming a self-published author on Amazon is something anyone can do. It's uh, There's a bunch of steps that have to be followed in a certain order. But they're not hard. They just have to be followed in the, in the right order. And so I made a whole blog post about this, about how to become a self-published author on Amazon. And the infographic that was made was super cool. And then once it was made, um, that's when I someone reached out to me saying, oh, well, we'd love to make a video for you. I'm like, you know what would be really cool is if you made a video for me about these steps. because not everybody likes reading. Some people like um, watching videos. So I'm like, yeah, video would be really cool to do. So they made me a video. And it's like, so then I even asked, I said, well, you know what, I'd really like, because they just had music in the background. And I'm like, I'd really like it if I could narrate it. Can I just send you a voice clip of, you know, what I would like it to say throughout and you just kind of edit it in? And they're like, yeah, sure. Like perfect. So that's that's what they did for me. And so everything now is in this one amazing uh post or whatever on my on my page on my on my website that's got the video, the infographic and the text that I actually wrote for people who want to read exactly, you know, to read all about the details. So yeah, I, and and then they said, you know, well we'd love to make another video. We'd love to make another infographic. I'm like, holy smokes, this is incredible. Like, just everywhere you look, you start seeing different opportunities. Um, People were inviting me to, like, it's just amazing the things that are happening in my life now. It's, It's, yeah, I'm just, like, super happy. My business is doing really well. I'm doing the things that I love doing. And it doesn't feel like work. And yet I'm getting paid to do it. And it's great. So, and that that little girl from so long ago, that all that all that is uh, is gone now because you are a super human, super person, and you are capable of doing anything. 
And uh, that's that's the message that your book from Nope to Hope offers people is is where you are today. That little girl, she's you've helped her up and she is soaring now. She's she's doing really well. And as you are Uh, again, we've been talking with Lorraine regularly. Hey, I said it right. How about that? Yes, you did. Um, Right on, Kevin. (laughs) She is an awesome lady. You get it eventually. Now, you're right. Now, this this podcast, I need to wrap it up because it's been going on for a while, but I'd like to have you back and follow your career to see where you're going, and you can follow mine to see where I'm going, and we'll see where we end up. That sounds absolutely wonderful, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for having the patience to listen to my ups and downs of my story today. I know we had some rocky moments, but I think we ended on a pretty high note. And, um, you know, that's the message I want to give to everybody is no matter what kind of situation you're in, if you don't like it, you have the power to change it. And if you need help, let me help you. From Nope to Hope has lots of strategies, plus it's got a built-in workbook for you to complete exercises at the end of every chapter so you can actually take those steps and make progress as you're reading through it. It's an incredible book. It's it's actually sort of what's become my, my kind of Bible, my go-to book for any time I'm having uh, any kind of struggles in my life. I just, you know, I'm like, oh, what am I having problems with today? Oh, negativity. Somebody's being negative. How do I remove negativity from my life? Oh, chapter... Uh, I think it's chapter seven. Yeah. Let's go look at chapter seven again. Let's go see what it says. Um, even though I wrote the book, I don't, I mean, it's a pretty, it's like an inch thick book. I don't remember every single word. So yeah, I go back and I use it as a reference tool. And, you know, there's a lot of free stuff on the internet. There's three chapters on my website, Wording Well. Please go check them out. Um, there's a resource kit page. You'll see it on Wording Well. Go check that out. There's tons of free stuff there. And my mission is to help other people become as empowered as I have become. That's just awesome. So if you want to find out more about Lorraine, go to wordingwell.com. And if you want to, if, if you are a prospective writer or somebody who would like to delve into getting a book published, so you maybe have an idea, I know somebody who can help you with that. Lorraine does that for a living, and she does a really good job of it, and she's also got um, from Nope to Hope. Lorraine, is the best way to contact you through your website? Yeah, go, to, go. there's a contact page on my website. I'm all over social media, but it does say that um, I prefer email or Facebook Messenger. So, awesome. um, you know, just say, hey, you know, caught you on the podcast or heard you heard about your story and you know i'd like to say hi or i'd like to get help with this or whatever just just let me know and uh you know i'll definitely i respond to every email and every message i get very cool thank you so much for being on the podcast today you've been listening to my independence report and uh we've been talking with lorraine regularly and from nope to Hope is the book. I hope you'll pick it up. You can pick it up at Amazon or any of the of the other online uh, uh, guys that are selling stuff. You can even get a Kindle edition. If you don't want to read it, you can just listen to it. So uh, with that, uh, Lorraine, thank you for being on the, on the podcast today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Kevin. 
it's 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 wonderful. And just remember, be kind to each other because ultimately, each other's all we've got. We'll see you next and time. Kind to, and be kind to yourself. Oh, very well said. Very well said because yourself is all you've got too. <laughs> at the end of the day, be your own best uh, friend. That's it. That's it. Yes. You know, you are you are a special person. You're a special lady. Thank you so much. And and uh, I think at one point we're going to have to have you on KKNW eleven fifty AM and uh, and to talk about your story and what you're doing and and that kind of stuff. We don't have any palm trees out here, but you're certainly welcome to come out here and see us. So see, um, there are opportunities everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it and with, with that uh thank you everybody be kind to each other and be nice and and care and we'll see you next time on my independence hey and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end hey pretty cool hey don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts and remember take care of each other because each other's all we've got see you next time on my independence report